Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Bob Mendelson, and this is the Bob's Your Uncle podcast. Today we speak about disclosure and coming clean, when to do it, with whom to do it, and what about. Thanks for joining me for this Bob's Your Uncle podcast, Season 1, Episode 21. Of note, the opinions are strictly my own. You can now find us and comment to us wherever you get your podcasts. iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple iTunes, the list goes on. We have a lot of topics to discuss, and even so, on the Bob's Your Uncle podcast, you are part of the show. We do want to see and hear you, so send us a message. And in the weeks to come, we'll speak about pickleball again, country music, wars, and rumors of wars. Let's see where the spirit takes us. Whether you're at home, online, on the road with me in your headset at the gym, or out for your evening constitutional, wherever you get podcasts, that's where we will be. Thanks for joining us and being with us for these 18 minutes. Amanda McInnes is both my travel agent and the sponsor of this podcast, and it will help all three of us if you book your next trip with her, including hotel and flights and all things tourist. Good morning, Amanda. Let me ask, are there any good deals on Australian travel just now, and would it help our listeners if they jump on these straight away? So it's great that you've asked, Bob, as there's actually some amazing deals out at the moment. We've got Sydney to Perth on the WA promo, which is Western Australia with Virgin Australia. They have one-way fares from $129 from Sydney to Perth, and they have multiple travel dates available, which is super exciting. Now, even though I've been here for many years, I've never been to WA, so I might have to drop, jump onto this sale and get in and get a photo with a quokka on Rottnest Island. I love the quokka. Now, what about travel insurance? Uh, Is that a good idea just now? Well, I always take an annual policy. And one of the reasons I do that is because I expect the unexpected, especially with children. So even with a couple of recent domestic holidays to Melbourne, we've had to cancel just because of kids. Uh, And that's one of the biggest perks, I guess, of travel insurance is making sure you're covered for the unexpected. So while it might seem like an additional cost at the outset, it's definitely worth it in case anything pops up that you would not have foreseen. That's great. How can people reach you so the easiest way to reach me is bit.ly that's b-i-t full stop l-y slash amanda a-m-a-n-d-a 365 thank you for uh, everything you do for this podcast and for me personally you're so welcome have a great night see you later cheers historical marker of the week On this date in history, 19 July, two 20th century references. 1980, the Summer Olympics opened in Moscow, though some 60 countries refused to attend because of the Soviet Union's invasion of Afghanistan in 1979. It was the largest boycott in the history of the Olympic movement. And in 1903, the French bicyclist Maurice Garin won the first Tour de France, which covered 2,428 kilometers 
That's 1,508 miles, and that's the historical marker of the week. Disclosure is a great word. It means the action of making new or secret information known. In medicine, open disclosure is an open discussion with a patient or consumer about an incident that resulted in harm to that patient while they were receiving health care. Open disclosure discussions also include the patient's family, carer, or support person. I remember watching such a disclosure on a television show, and the administrator of the hospital, where the health system had bungled something to a patient, was worried about the severe malpractice lawsuits and the financial exposure to the hospital. Disclosure can be costly to be sure. According to the Departments of Health here in Australia, the Mental Health Act in 2014 enables health information to be disclosed in specific circumstances to ensure that people with mental illness receive effective treatment and care. Health information may be disclosed if the person to whom the information relates consents to its disclosure, and where a person is unable to consent or refuses consent to disclose health information, the Act permits information to be disclosed in specified circumstances. When you think about it, disclosure of sensitive information can be very useful for people seeking to help the patient or other situations involving trouble. Think about 9-11 and the disclosure of information between fire and police, between mayor and federal and state governments. Coordination of information requires nothing to be hidden. All who were working the case needed to trust each other and share info. I always find it curious that there is an elbowing of the other in movies when territorialism is involved about solving crimes between the FBI and the local police departments in the U.S. or internationally between the Australian Secret Intelligence Service, ASIS, or MI6 and the CIA. ASIS is the foreign intelligence agency here in Australia tasked with the covert collection of information overseas. What prompts this conversation today, you might wonder? I sat in my office the other day with a 20-something Jewish man from our area. He is studying at university and doing well. He's been raised as a Messianic Jew in his town, and he also is a member of the Jewish synagogue there. And he described his life in those two sometimes competing realities. We spoke about how to navigate what might be labeled the dance between those two sides of the religion conversation. And what we shared, I thought we should share here on the podcast today. I will share some personal anecdotes from my own history, not to use as a model for anyone else, but to show how each circumstance is unique, as each involves people. And people are in different locations, in different situations, each of which point us to isolated, or we should say, individual actions. When Joseph, the young uni student's pseudonym, and I spoke about his life, we both realized this is a touchy subject and worthy of more conversations. Joseph is an entrepreneur and has marched and stood up for human rights and certainly for Jewish rights. He's dating a Christian woman. He has plans to work overseas and perhaps move there if things work out. He will no doubt make them work out. I'm impressed by this young man. Joseph's synagogue in his city self-describes as modern orthodox, which is similar to the one in which I grew up, albeit I was in my 20s over 40 years ago, and the world was different then. 
He's part of the regular activities and has deep friendships with some of the people with whom he has grown up. When he mentioned his relationships with them, he said they were likely to be people with whom he would be in business in the future. So his relationships are linked beyond cordial social interaction. They impact his reputation and finances down the road. As for his messianic life, he has a rich heritage from his grandparents on one side as they also grew up in the thickness of the Jewish communities in their youth and they found each other, then they found the Lord and they began sharing him with others. At the same time, those grandparents continued in their Jewish community, participating in Shabbat gatherings and giving to normal Jewish causes, being regular Jews. They at times wondered if they should be more forthright about their beliefs, but it didn't really ever come up until it did. They were discovered as being Jewish believers in Jesus. When confronted, they did not deny their commitment to the Lord, and they were asked to leave the community just like that. End of story. Done and dusted. Or was it? You see, they raised their children to be messianic. Their children then passed on the heritage, the joys, and the problems of being messianic to their children, and that's where we meet Joseph. Who should know what? When? Who tells? These are real issues for 20-somethings and for everyone. My health fund sent me a note this week writing about peer pressure and how to recognize it and how to process it with your kids. I liked what they wrote. I summarized their recommendation here. One, make time to talk. It might seem strange to think you don't have time for a conversation with your kid, but when we're rushing from place to place, sometimes there's no opportunity for such. Create space for talk time. Two, practice active listening and quell your urge to react. If a teenager tells you they're being pressured to do something they're not comfortable with, don't make assumptions. Instead, try to be reflective and ask questions without judgment. Three, rehearse situations with your teen. Get them to practice how to say no and map out how those conversations might go as they're prepared for later. And four, assess the situation. Ask your child if the situation is something they feel they can handle and, if necessary, step in. You may need to talk to a teacher or fellow parent. Don't assume it's always best to let kids sort things out for themselves. Using these tips, we spoke about what Joseph was enduring. Rehearsing situations is what I'm sharing with you just now from my past. When I came to faith in Yeshua in Kansas City in 1971, I went home that night and told my parents of my new beliefs, and they threw me out of the house immediately. No discussion. When I went to the synagogue in which we'd grown up and where they at times continued to participate, I copped it from some of the leaders and from some of the more stalwart of the congregation. It wasn't welcoming, and I didn't return for years. Up in Lawrence, Kansas, I started a congregation, and of note, that church just celebrated its 50th anniversary last weekend. Congratulations to the leadership and the people who are making it such a great place of God's life in that university town to this day. Back in the 1970s, I tried to participate in activities and to attend the Jewish Community Center there, but was asked not to return, as the people there knew of my involvement with the Mustard Seed, now the Rev City Church. When I moved to San Francisco in 1979, I attended Temple Beth Shalom and used to carry my newborn son with me to Shul, and it wasn't until the end of my nine months in California that the rabbi told me not to return as he had discovered my religious commitments. 
1980, my family and I moved to New York City, and again I began attending a local shul, this time West Side Institutional Synagogue, just two blocks from my apartment. I was often there and enjoyed the services, but one day the cantor passed by me as I was in my Jews for Jesus t-shirt handing out leaflets at the 72nd Street subway station. He was shocked and unnerved. Word immediately got to me not to return again to WSIS. That's not the end of the stories. I still enjoy attending synagogues and have done so in the UK, in France, Poland, across the US, here in Australia, and recently in Singapore. I do not go to hand out leaflets or to wear my Jesus t-shirt. I go to pray, and usually it's a positive experience. The problem of disclosure is one Moish Rosen identified for us as we missionaries were going to find ourselves in situations where people ask us, what do you do for a living? And we were going to be given a choice to disclose or not. He advised us to say something about it being an off-limit subject. Of course, on the Sabbath, that's easy. We Jews are not really supposed to talk business on the Sabbath, so when asked my profession most of the time, my go-to answer is, it's Shabbat, we shouldn't talk occupation or business. And honestly, that satisfies most folks. I remember that situation the first time I visited Magena Vot Synagogue in Singapore, and that's how I played it, and most folks didn't care, it was merely social ritual anyway. But after the question was asked the third time, I had to answer and said, I work with Jews for Jesus. And honestly, most didn't care. But one guy dobbed me into the rabbi, and the rabbi asked me to leave. And I left. And then 18 months later, I returned both to Singapore and to the synagogue and was welcomed back and have returned every time I came back to that island country, even last month. The rabbi and I have a cordial relationship. Disclosure is a topic for many that brings discomfort. What if they don't like what or who I am? What if they don't like what I stand for? That's the rub. That's when you have to have a commitment to the Lord that will stand no matter what others say or think. I meet many people here in Australia and around the world who are working on their Jewish identity. They might start their story with something like this. My mother was born in Austria to Jewish parents, but because of World War II and anti-Semitism rising in her neighborhood, she changed her name from Tenenbaum to Taylor and went to the church. She raised us as Christians, and I never knew we were Jewish until I was 50 years old. The fear of troubles, legitimate fears, are in our people, and I get that. I personally never had that option to deny my yichus, my heritage, and was raised to be a proud Jew. But that fear of disclosure caused by the pains of the ugliness of the Holocaust and such, I get that. Combine that desire to identify with our people and the real commitment we believers have to identify with Yeshua, and there's a battle to be sure. Peer pressure looms at school and at uni. Being labeled a holy Joe in the army or at a new job, that's a tough ID. To whom do you disclose your real ID? When? What do you say? That's why I say each case is individual. Each case involves people with different life stories. Honesty matters. And love. I could handle being kicked out of the JCC or Beth Shalom because I knew that God loved me. And no matter what others do, he had my back. King David said, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. No matter who says no to me, no matter what the results of my disclosure, God has my back.
Every week we read from the number one bestseller of all time, the best nonfiction book ever, the Bible. Today, a comment from Yeshua himself about this very subject in John chapter 16. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Do you have a comment or question? Do you agree with us? Hit us up on bobmendo at aol.com or on Twitter or Instagram on Bob's Your Uncle PC. Send us your comment this week and we'll read it as soon as possible. Don't forget to post a review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening, and share our podcast with your friends. Thanks for helping us get known out there. Also, please follow or subscribe to the podcast and hit like as well. We can use all the good speak we can get. Don't forget to book all your travel needs with Amanda McGinnis at travelpartners.com.au. Next week, we hope to discuss euthanasia and the healthcare industry. Until then, from me, Bob Mendelson, when things seem bleak or uncertain, look up to God. He's in his heaven, and Bob's your uncle. Shalom from Sydney. Thank you.